It has been a long time since I had to mark one of my podcasts explicit. There's just a few F-bombs that might have been dropped in this episode because I have an amazing guest, Clinton Sparks from uh, Boston. Uh, Many of you know Clinton as the author of the How to Win Big in the Music Business book. Many of you know him from the billboards in Vegas, but it's going to be a fantastic episode. Before I get into that, though, I did want to tell you about the MIB Secret Society. This is a podcast that is exclusive to the Secret Society members. If it's something that you would like to explore, if it's something where you feel you'd like to get to know more about me, I would like to definitely get to know more about you. Just go to rickbarker.com forward slash secret. Now let's jump into the podcast with Clinton Sparks. I have never prepared as much for a podcast episode as I did for this one because of the fact that I've read the book, uh, because of the fact that I highlighted so many different things. And this is just off of the ebook. I'm waiting for my hard copy, which... I already got my shipping notification that it's coming, but uh, I've been excited about this. And let me just tell everyone who I'm talking to. I'm speaking with Clinton Sparks. Clinton wrote a book called How to Win Big in the Music Business. And the other night, because I follow, there it is, I follow entrepreneurs. uh, I was targeted with one of your ads. And I love the ad. It was like 30 seconds long, but it hit on all these key points. And I'm like, okay, this dude's legit. So I went and I, I bought the book. Do you remember uh, what did, ad it was? Uh, it was like 36 seconds where you where you kept asking, you know, where you said like five questions that people always ask. Got it. And it was super quick and easy. And the key part about it, and I teach this because I have a course called Ads Amplifier for Music, is it showed up like one of my buddies was talking to me. It didn't look like a marketing meme. It didn't have all the fancy stuff around it. It was just you walking and talking, boom, 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 boom. And I'm like, okay, this is legit. And then your Boston accent, you know, it was like, that's when the audiobook was offered. I'm like, dude, I'm all in on the audiobook. <laughs> uh, so I ended up doing the free plus shipping, the ebook, the audiobook. And then I, I just found myself on Friday night that became, I had the Olympics on in the background, watching people do crazy stuff for their countries, but I was sitting there getting filled. And what I mean by getting filled is I had just shared with someone that I was starting to go through my own little mental health issues right now. It's like for the last 18 months, I've been filling everyone's tank, but who was filling my tank? It's like the the places that I go and I speak, I had to pass on seven speaking gigs last year. Uh, the mentors that I purchase masterminds. And then all of a sudden this Clinton Sparks dude shows up and this book is amazing. I'm going to read you the introduction. It says a broke kid from Boston with no connections, no guidance, no protection, and no plan B made it. How? Because I shifted my way of thinking or refocused my energy into actions that would produce results. I didn't choose my dream I designed and built it. I want to instill in you the principles, values, strategies, and formula that led my own that led to my own success. Sure, I could just show you the formula, but that would be like handing you boxing gloves and pointing you towards the ring and expecting you to figure it out. Instead, I'm going to teach you the strategy, psychology, and, ment- uh, and mentality necessary to build a sustainable career, to be a champion, not a wannabe. I've made million-dollar mistakes and wasted tremendous amounts of time. Why? Well, because I didn't have a coach or mentor, someone with the experience to polish and nurture 
my raw talent and abilities I learned by trial and error before the days of social media. So here we are with the man himself. And Clinton, tell everyone a little bit about you. There you go. The applause goes wild. You are the king of, of gadgets. You know, it's like the get familiar was something I laughed about because you told the story in the book about the radio station that got pissed off because more people recognized get familiar than they did the call letters of the radio station. Right. And I went through that because my first on-air radio name and don't laugh was Ricky Suave. Yeah. So that was my first name. And whenever people would say, what station do you listen to? They would always write down in the diaries. And that's how people used to do it. They would write down Ricky Suave and they were like, dude, more people recognize you than they recognize the station. And I liked what you said. Well, should I teach you guys how to brand properly then? Why is that a mistake? Yeah, instead of they used to get mad at me, they'd be like, stop doing Get Familiar. Stop doing Get Familiar. It's annoying. Some pe people think the stations Get Familiar. And I'm like, well, instead of fighting me on this incredible marketing tactic, why don't you learn from me and ask me how to show you guys how to make your brand bigger and better? So. And speaking yeah. of building your brand, you know, even going back to your introduction, tell people about this journey, you know, take a couple minutes and just kind of take them on this journey because you are what most people aspire to become, but they think because they see you on the billboards in Vegas and they see all the plaques on your wall that you just woke up with this talent and all of a sudden you met the right person and your life changed forever. Right. Um, I think anybody successful kind of suffers from people thinking that, oh, it must be nice. Um, and, I, you know, to be honest, it is freaking nice. It is nice to work your ass off for 20 years and to see, you know, the success on the other end, to see the respect and the credibility, to see the results uh, of your hard work and your sacrifice and your dedication and your overcoming adversity and all these types of things. So it is pretty nice. So next time somebody says it must be nice, it is fucking nice, man. Uh, so, uh, and it's not nice. And it's funny because whenever somebody says it must be nice, it kind of comes with the the notion of uh, things come easy for you. Right. Uh, it must be nice to have all these nice things because you're who you are. And da -da -da. It's condescending it's like, in a way. Yeah, and they, think, <laughs> and they don't even take into consideration like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, do anything else other than work. I didn't right. hang out like you. I didn't go drinking. I didn't go chasing ass. I didn't go play video games. I didn't get to hang on my family as much as I wanted to. I didn't get, like, I was, I sacrificed, man. And like, and I believed. And right. I also understood, uh, took the time to understand other people uh, and treat other people well. And, you know, there's so many like strategies that I, I talk about in the book that it's, it's really a psychological thing. Like at the end of the day, it's not even just about your talent. People just think like, I'm the greatest at this. Well, just being the greatest, you know, athlete or the greatest rapper or musician and stuff isn't enough. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's not enough. And people just think that based off the merit of their greatness that they think they're right. Great, right. Uh, based off their own opinion and their own taste of themselves that uh, because they think they're great, they should get these other things because of their greatness. Uh, totally failing to realize that uh, greatness is how you treat people. Greatness is how you handle yourself and conduct yourself being a business. Greatness is how you market your brand. Greatness is the reputation that you build. Greatness is follow-up, networking, building an audience, engaging, interacting. There's so much more greatness than just talent. In fact, you know this, sometimes talent isn't even the main reason why people like you. Right. Uh, so, or why you have what you have. So. You know, people chase the wrong thing. They believe in the wrong thing. Uh, and therefore, they, they believe what they, they make up in their own mind. And they want you to treat them according to what they made up in their own mind. 
Um, but you know that this goes into psychology and does a lot. Well, I tell psychology people, plays a big role into into somebody's success. Well, in my launching of Taylor, I used more psychology and human behavior than anything. I didn't. All I I came from radio. I had a radio background like you. I didn't have the management knowledge. I just figured if I saw what her music did to people, and I said, okay, then we just got to get her music in front of as many people as possible. And I'm very impatient. I don't like to wait. You come across to me as somebody who's very impatient as well. It's like, hey, if, let's just go get it. You know, it's like if 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 no one can say no to us, let's go to the places that no one can say no instead of trying to go through the same door that everybody else is going through. We're going to sneak around the back. We're going to figure out a way to get through the back so that we're not stuck with everybody else at that front door. Right. Or, or if I can't be part of your thing, then I'll build my own thing that's bigger and better than yours. And guess what? One day you're going to come to me and say, can I be part of your thing? And you know what I'm not going to be? A dick like you were. I'm going <laughs> to say, yeah, absolutely. Come on in. I built this for you and us and all of us. But guess what? We're going to do it by the rules that I built, which are the rules of decency and integrity right. and honorability and all of these things that you know will make a great community and a great environment, which is why you know one of the things that you said that I really enjoyed was... Uh, when you're like, hey, I want to bring on my podcast exposure to my audience because I feel for somebody to get a great education, they need to learn from more than one professor. Right. And like that was an amazing, uh, profound thing that you said because most people are super territorial. Most people are protective of their information or their audience. And I've never been that. I've always been the guy on a team that I would rather be on a team full of all-stars than be the one all-star on this bum team. Right. right. So like I'm all about empowering, enlightening, educating, and showing people the blueprint of what I figured out already. Otherwise, I'm a dick. If right. I figured out how to get into this place, why would I not show other people unless, you know, somebody could say, because other people will come and ruin it. But then that goes back to psychology. You need to understand who you're letting in that door, why, and what they could possibly do that could be negative. So that really comes to you, not them. If you're great as you think you are, then you should be great at understanding people in the right place and the moves and the people you should be associating with. And don't blame them when they do something wrong or they mess things up, blame yourself because you're the one that brought that person involved. And a lot of people want to be a boss. They want to be a leader. They want to be in charge. But if you want to be a leader, then you need to take responsibility for the things that the people you're leading, the mistakes that they make. Because sure. at the end of the day, you're the person that brought that person into your sphere. Right. So if they made a mistake, guess what? If you're the leader and you assume responsibility for the problems that happened or mistakes, guess who gets to fix it? You. Yeah. Right. I always tell people, if your business isn't working, look in the mirror. There's your solution looking right back at you. But everyone seems to be in this mentality of placing the blame. I think a real good example right now of what you're talking about is what's going on in the NBA. These guys that are massive superstars have realized they can't win a championship by themselves. They have to surround themselves with other superstars. Right. And I mean, that's going on right now. You being in L.A., Carmelo Anthony just joined LeBron. And Russell Westbrook and Anthony Davis, it's like they know that they need these super teams. And I think artists need to understand, too, is that these you bring in the pieces that complement what it is you do. Do not put five people in the room that all do the same thing or there's going to be friction. That's just some business advice to folks. But you need to surround yourself. Something you said at the end of the book uh, when you were talking about your course is you're like, look, I don't know everything. I'm not the expert in everything. So I brought in these individual experts to also be able to help you. And that's what I tell people. It's like, my brain can only handle so much. I don't want to go out and learn what Clinton knows. I want to bring Clinton in my world to share with my audience 
what Clinton knows because Clinton brings 20 years of success. And more importantly, he brings 20 years of failure that he can help you guys fast track your journey to success because he's willing to share the failures as well as the successes. And I think well, we, we learn more sometimes from the failures. At least well, you I know do. it's funny. I know like it's kind of like the trendy cool thing now for people to say things like, you know, uh, they're not losses, they're lessons. You know, failures are ways to get to wins. And like, it's kind of like what everybody says now. Um, but like, I honestly, and I say it in the book too, like I naively thought that I, I, I couldn't even lose. Like, I don't even know what a loss means. Like when you say 20 years of failures, I don't, and when I say this, I'm not saying it in that like, sure. hey, I, don't, I don't believe in failures. Right. Like I actually really never looked at something as a failure. I never looked at something as oh, I lost or I failed. Cause I honestly think I never did fail to be honest. Right. And, 20 years and, of lessons basically is what you have. Well, yeah, yes. Um, learning examples of how to do something better, but more often than not, not even from my own missteps, from watching and analyzing and paying attention to other others. So I, I wouldn't really make failures because I was so aware of other people. I focused on personalities and psychology and mentalities and the way people dealt. So the one thing that I did, most people look at winners and they emulate what they did to win, right? Throughout my career, I looked at winners and was mindful of where they were losing mm -hmm. or what they weren't doing right, the mistakes they were making, how they could be bigger than they are, mm -hmm. money they were leaving on the table, how they were treating people. And that's what I focused on. I didn't focus on what they're doing great and let me try to mimic that. I focused on what they weren't doing great and let me own that and capitalize on that. So- on your space. Yeah, so that's, and I still constantly do that. Like it's, to me, sure. everything's resolvable. To me, it's so easy. Life is easy, people make it hard. And, right. and the people that make it hard, it's their personalities, it's their ego, it's their greed. It's what they need to feel. The world right. is about feelings. You're not selling products, items, things, songs. You're selling a feeling. When you go to that concert or listen to that song, it's because you want to feel a certain way. When you drink alcohol, it's because you want to feel a certain way. When you buy that bag or wear these clothes, it's because you want to feel a certain way. Everything is a feeling. The right. moment you realize you're not selling you, you're not selling your music, you're not selling a product or service, you're selling a feeling. People need to feel. Everyone wants to feel loved, understood, listened to. They want to be heard. Like th That's all life is. So when you understand what, make, what feeling do those people need, what feeling does this person need? Right. That's, that's all you should be focusing on, not being right, not making them understand, not getting through their fat head, not understanding like, who thinks like that? Well, this person does. So right. you even having to ask that question out loud shows you're really the problem because you can't even recognize this person in front of you who's thinking this way. You're asking the question out loud, who thinks like that? The answer's right in your face, it's this person, right? So when you realize that, you now if you pay attention and actually care about other people as much, if not more than yourself, Right. Then you'll have all the ammo, you'll have all the tools you need to fix everything. For instance, if you don't mind me bringing up, I'm sure you talked about Please. it publicly. So you've had your, your struggles with, with alcoholism and drugs, right? Yep. Right? You were searching for a feeling. Something was missing in your life. Something, or, or you were trying to hide from a feeling. Correct. Right? So it's always feelings, right? And if somebody took the time to wonder, what's he feeling? What feelings he's hiding from? What feelings he trying to go to? They could have helped you find something to fulfill that feeling that you couldn't find on your own at one point. 
Thankfully, exactly. you were able to find that and become right. recover. But like, if people cared and people don't, they just go, why the fuck you doing that? Or why don't you listen? Or how many times do I have to tell you? Well, if you feel you're saying the same thing over and over again, maybe your delivery is not good. Right. Don't sit there and blame them. Well, you're not listening. You chose not to listen. No, you didn't have the ability to be able to reassess how you're conveying your message. You're trying to knock down a brick wall with snowballs and it's That's not going to work. I always tell people, if you meet three assholes in a day, it's probably you. Right. I, one, of the, one of the books I want to write is it's called, It's Not Me, It's the World. <laughs> <laughs> That's after the book that, and the reason Clinton and I keep going back and forth is I was a guest on his Twitch channel last night, but he was talking about, you know, his son asked him a question. It's like, dad, how much money do you have in the bank? And you said, that's the wrong question they asked. The question is, how did you get that money that's in the bank? And I'm like, the way that you think about things uh, is just fascinating for me. You know, it's like going back on that failure thing. I always tell people, it's like, I fail, but I fail fast. You know, it's like, I'm going to try something. It's like, I've never been, I've never shied away from going after what other people can't. As a matter of fact, I've made a living getting solutions to problems that people thought weren't solvable by going at it from a different approach. And chapter three in your book uh, is probably for me, one of the most important chapters. I mean, chapter three, that could have been a book in itself and was worth every penny that I spent and is 200 times more valuable than what the investment that I made to get it. But it's called the most important thing. And I'll share a couple of things from it. It says, so what's the most important thing to do when starting out? You need to have a plan. Running around feeling busy and productive is useless without a goal. Activity does not equal productivity. Powerful. Powerful. Well, well let me explain that because sometimes people sometimes people hear things but they don't really comprehend it right or mm -hmm. absorb it and what i mean by that is for instance like somebody could be like yo i'm in the studio every night making records yo i'm going doing this i'm doing that i'm doing that. but like okay what's resulting from that you know what i mean you feel like you're killing it or you feel like you're doing a, a lot because you're running in a hamster wheel you know what i mean but it's like like productivity, uh, activity does not mean productivity. And I think a lot of people think because they're out in the streets or they're politicking or they're in the studio or they're doing all these things, which, which by the way, are necessary to build your audience and build your network yep. and build your brand. But doing the same thing over and over again and a year later, you're still in the same place from doing the same thing over and over again, then you're not being productive, man. You're just doing the same thing over and so it's becoming a waste of your time. And in that chapter, you also talk about the five most important questions that you must continually answer. And what's great about this is this book is not just for musicians, by the way. I have a lot of people that are uh, business owners. Uh, this book is for you. If you're an entrepreneur, this book is for you. If you're somebody that wants to simplify your life, this book is for you. And these questions, I went right ahead and I just started looking at them for myself, you know. How am I going to get people familiar with me? What will make me stand out or be different? I have a saying right now, different is the new better. Uh, who can help me? You know, who and where's my audience? Uh, and how can I make money from this? And I think just when you sit down, just if on a daily basis, you started your morning looking at those five questions and then went to tackle the day with this roadmap, with this blueprint, that your day would be so much more productive what had to happen in your life where you sat down and said okay 
what are these five important questions? What should I be asking myself? Was there a time that you found yourself spinning or what, what was it, what was going through your life when this happened, when you said, okay, these are the things that I need to continually answer, not where can I get in the room with this producer or this songwriter, or, you know, how can I get invited to this party, <laughs> which is all part of some of these questions. But when did, what happened in your life that made that flipped this switch for you? Uh, well, there's a bunch of questions there. So one was, um, what is the question that I keep asking? Uh, and that question goes back to what I was just saying is what does this person need to feel? Uh, so whenever I'd run into somebody that's being difficult or someone that didn't understand me or what I was trying to do or didn't understand what was best for them that I was advising them on, um, I always go back to, okay, what is it they need to feel? Like what's going to make me be able to penetrate them? Uh, because obviously just my opinion's not working. Mm. Obviously this great idea is not working. Um, so I need to understand them. Uh, and to understand them would make me understand their feeling. For instance, if I know this person is broke, if I know this person's having a hard time over here, if I know this person isn't that intelligent, if I know this person, when I start to understand the person, do some research and listen to them, everybody wants to talk, right? So uh, if, you, if you listened as much as you wanted to be heard, you would hear how to be listened to right? And a lot of people don't do that. So they want to just tell you all the things they know, tell you why they're great, tell you why they're smart, keep sharing their great ideas. And if they listen to the other people, they would get so much more information that would make mm -hmm. whatever they're trying to do now become a reality because they just found out the recipe to get to this person's feelings, right? Uh, so that's what the question I would always ask. What was the turning point? Your other question um, was when I was young, I was a criminal throughout my teenage years. And when I was 19 or 20 um, is when I had a turning point in realizing that the skill and the talent that I had to be a criminal, if I use that for good, um, I could be a pretty, I could have created a fantastic life for myself. So um, plus the fear of realizing, holy shit, I'm actually an adult now and the shit that I'm doing could put me to jail forever. So uh, me and my buddies were staking out a bank for a couple of weeks um, in like two days before we were going to execute, um, that robbery, I, uh, I, I bailed and I was like, yeah, guys, I'm not going to do this. Uh, they ended up doing it and get away with it. Um, but that was the time that I realized I got to become an adult and grow up and do something mm. better with my life. And I went to, I went and I took the, the test for the IBEW, which is the, uh, International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers. And also, you were going to be a union guy. Yeah, and I also applied at UPS. Um, I, I did a great job on the test, so I got offered to join the union, and I also got offered a job at UPS on the same day. Um, and I was like, shit, which one do I take, <laughs> right? And, like, the electrical union one was funny because, like, you know, I grew up, like, you know, lonely, didn't really have many friends, and uh, was bullied and sexually abused and stuff, so... I was looking at that for the camaraderie that would come with it because I knew like, you know, a brotherhood, you know what I mean? I could play baseball and hockey and all these right, guys right. and become friends, right? But then I also know I don't drink and I don't relate to most guys, right? In the sense of like, you know, the typical guy that goes to work, you know, dirty fingernails, drinks beers, talks about Jason banging at You're from girls. Boston and none of those things describe Yeah, you. and I'm Irish and Catholic, right? Wow. So I, okay. So, so, <laughs> so uh, I grew up Irish Catholic in Boston and I just wasn't a drinker. I wasn't right. interested in like, you know, chasing women. Like it just wasn't me. So like usually when I'm around a bunch of guys, I don't really relate and connect to like 
to those kind of conversations. Like when you're having a meeting and you're with like three dudes and you uh, tell us something important and a girl walks by and they're all like, and I'm, I'm the only one sitting there like, guys, are you fucking serious? Like, have you <laughs> like, so, you know, so I started thinking, I, I actually really did think about that. Um, and then I was thinking, which way can I excel faster? Uh, where can I grow faster? And I realized UPS was something that, you know, it would take like five years before I could even like start making any real money in the union. And then, uh, UPS, I seen that I could become full-time within like three years. You get full benefits right away. Right. I, work, I worked overnight so that I could do music during the day. Um, so, like, But I've always been a workaholic. Even when I was a criminal, I was a really good sure. criminal. And, like, and I had jobs too. So when I got that job at UPS, I would work from 3 a.m. to 7.30 a.m. Then I would deliver overnight packages from 8 to 12. Then I would drive to another job and work from 1 to 4 delivering papers. Then I'd go home and I'd make beats from like 5 to 10 at night. And then I'd sleep for like four or five hours a night. I did that for years. I love right? the story in the book where you talk about, I call it planes, trains, and automobiles. When you had three different radio stations in three different states that you were working at. And right. you were some guy who was on radio tour was like, wait, haven't we seen you at like all three stations that we yeah. visited? But you were yeah. talking about jumping on a plane, jumping on a train, jumping in a car because you were making stuff happen for yourself. Well, because I needed to be everywhere at once. Right. So, so that I, so that I could keep, so the, the strategy was, uh, which you'll understand cause you know, radio, yeah. but when radio, when people would do radio promo with their artists, they would do regions. Yep. So when they would come up and they would do like Boston, Rhode Island, Connecticut, New York. Um, so I was like, I gotta get, I gotta make my radio show on all these stations. So every day when they go to a different station, they see me. And just by, because in the music business, if you see, hang out with someone twice, you're friends. Right. So, so I'm like, so if I see them every day, they're going to one, become my friend by default, or at least friendly enough to have a, a sure. working relationship. And then two, see the value in becoming my friend because your goal is to get your music heard. And if I'm your buddy and I'm on multiple radio stations, it would be you advantageous for you to be yep. my friend. Right. So not only did I do that. So at that time I was on four different radio stations live in four different States. I was in Boston, Connecticut, New York, and Baltimore every week. And then I was also on E! News as a host. Right. Uh, I love that story. Yeah, yeah, I love that story in the book. And then I also had the biggest party in Las Vegas, in addition to all the other parties that I did. And I was producing platinum hits. So if you're an artist, you'd kind of be an idiot not to be my friend. You know what right. I mean? And, and, and by the way, I'm a good friend. Like, I'm a caring, kind, help you out type of friend. I don't have an ego. I don't think that I'm, I'm more awesome than anybody else. Like, I'm just working hard, trying to do dope shit. If you want to do dope shit with me, then let's connect. Um, so that's kind of the persona that I always gave off to. And I think that's why, you know, the relationships from Common to Eminem to Wu-Tang to Quali to The Locks to Dipset to all these people that are still pretty relevant today when yep. I started. Like, why I still have relationships with everybody because of my giving nature. How can I help you? What can I do for you guys? And I never asked for anything in return, but I know if one day I needed something, they would do it, but I didn't do it with the intention of, if I do this for them, they'll do that for me. Right. I just knew we were all just trying to break and I have one title that can help you break in a way that you need help in. I don't really need you to do anything for me right now. Maybe I will later, you know what I mean? But like, you know, when I used to, when I started out in like 99, um, I knew the, re the music industry didn't understand the internet. So I just lied and pretended like I had a cracking online radio show and contacted all the labels and said, when your artists come to Boston, you'd be doing them a disservice not to come see the hottest online radio show, right? And, to, so, and, so, and what's funny is in the book, you find out it's in the basement of his mom's house. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> so you know, and then you fast forward, you know, four years later, 
Eminem and Paul Rosenberg because of that lie and that relationship I built with them coming to my mom's house. They were like, dude, we got an opportunity to launch a radio station on Sirius XM. Will you help us? So, you know, I, I joined and started Shade 45 and helped grew that. And, you know, I put so many people on there from Angela wow. Yee to Kay Slay to Static Selector. Like, all these people were on there because I was there and I brought them in here. And they all went on to be really successful because of, you know, the, the input that I had in their careers. Yeah. So, you know, Clinton's book, How to Win Big in the Music Business, I liked the fact that it was called The Music Business. I always by tell the way, by the way, it's free. Yep. The book is free, guys. So yeah, and I'm going to put a link in the show notes. If you just go to his website, clintonsparks.com, there's there's a thing that says, get the book uh, right there. You can go ahead and grab it. I'm going to recommend that everyone at least go through an upgrade to get the audio book so you can have Clinton in your ear for two and a half hours, uh, bringing light a lot of things like what we have in chapter six is that the only thing worse than having no goals is having too many goals. Chapter eight, famous doesn't make you great, but great can make you famous. When you tell these stories, uh, and, and you're, you and I are a lot alike. I always tell people, I teach through stories. It worked in the Bible. Jesus told the story, 12 dudes ran around telling the stories. And when Jesus showed up, they came to hear him tell the stories that they'd already heard. Uh, I, I just think that the, the, the things and the way that you shared it, you know, you, you made a comment in your book about, you know, everyone says they have the same 24 hours and you disagreed with that. And you said, I, I don't think Beyonce has the same 24 hours. And, and you talked about how she's smart enough to have other people doing things so that her hours aren't equal to your hours because she's not the one she knows how to delegate. You know, it's like you have people doing things for you. And I thought that was pretty profound uh, because people will come to me and they'll say things like what you talk about in chapter 13, but I'm doing everything right. Why isn't it working? And what I always tell them is I say, look, first off, you're trying to, to function in a dysfunctional business because your rewards are not in direct proportion to the work that you put in. You think that you could be doing everything right, but you're at the mercy when you're in the industry of becoming a priority to that label, becoming a priority to that promoter. When you're in the music business, the only person that's holding you back is you because we now have all those resources that were not available to you when Clinton was getting started in 1999, when I was getting started. There were such things as star makers. If you got with Clive Davis, if you got with L.A. Reid, if you got with because they controlled distribution, they controlled the marketing, they controlled the radio station relationships. Now, who controls the phone? The individual. We have the ability. I tell people, get your music on as many of these phones as you possibly can. That should be your goal. How do I get my music heard as often as I can? But people are going to say, I'm doing everything right. You well, know? you know, to, to your point, getting your music on every phone, uh, I want to offer something to your to your audience, if you don't mind. Please. Um, I have a partnership with TuneCore. TuneCore is one of the greatest distributors out here. It gets your music everywhere it needs to be. They help license your music uh, with their publishing uh, division. Yep. Uh, and it's free to sign up. But here on this show, um, if you use my code WINBIG. Real easy to remember, folks. You'll get 50% off. 50% off using my code WINBIG uh, for your next release on TuneCore. 
Fifty percent is a lot, man. Especially if you're a starving artist trying to get your music out sure. there. No, nobody's gonna get your music on as many platforms as them, and they're always working deals with new platforms right. to get your music on there. So the way you get paid is the more you get played, and the more you get played is the more that you get your music distributed and get in front of people for them to play it. So you want to get with a company like TuneCore. I know there's a lot of other options out yep. there, but trust me, the reason I partnered with TuneCore is because I know all the other options out there, and right. I know how great TuneCore is, and the fact that they're willing to give people fifty percent off using my code win big um uh, that one word one yeah, word one, one win word big. win big okay. win big I'll, baby win big i'll put links in the show notes for that as well and it's interesting right now because too often i think people are trying to figure this stuff on out on their own and what you don't realize is that every day while you're in the studio making music tunecore's out building relationships because this industry every it seems like every month every two months there's a new box that needs to be checked in order for you to get the royalties that are owed to you and yep. by not knowing how to do that it's smart to partner uh with with people like TuneCore so that they can go out and do it for you it's like let you focus on what it is that you need to focus on and a lot of times artists will well i'll just save a few bucks no 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 you're going to end up costing yourself a lot of bucks because you don't know where the money is right, to, to your point about the time, I literally just, I just like, the, I think it was yesterday. I just made this post on my Instagram. Yep. Oh, wow. Uh, it, it's not that we don't have enough time to do what we need to do. It's that we feel the need to do too many things in the time that we have. Um, so and and I now let that, me, let me say, let me teach off of that for a second. So yep. here's what's interesting. If you go follow Clinton on Instagram, which I suggest that you do, yeah, what you're going Sparks. to see at Clinton Sparks is that, <laughs> everything that he posts right now is a teaching lesson leading back to the book. Your songs, if you're doing it the way that he talked about with emotions, you know, what are people feeling? What are they describing? The, it, it's like you can take a portion of your song and then drive them back to your song. It's like what I tell people is this, and that's why I think the book's great for entrepreneurs as well, is that my podcasts, my social posts, they're all my singles. You know, I'm putting them out into the world, just like an artist is putting them out into the world, trying to lead them back to my courses, which are my albums, you know, which is my higher price piece of merchandise. You can learn a lot by watching great marketers and all of you musicians, raise your hand. I am a digital marketer, whether you want to be or not. That's the world you're playing in right now, because we're all fighting for the same attention. We're all fighting for the same eyeballs. And what's great is that everything that you've posted uh, as of late, since the release of the book, is a story, a teaching lesson that drives people back to the book. All of you should be doing that with your songs. I was talking to people when, when COVID first hit, and I said, I asked this question on one of my coaching calls. I said, what are you guys feeling right now? Loss, loneliness, confusion, despair. I said, well, do you think the rest of the world's feeling the same thing? Those are the songs you should be writing right now. Going back to what Clinton said earlier, those are the emotions that you should be tapping into is what people are feeling right now. And that's why I think the DJs and the producers right now are playing such an integral part in the music industry. And we talked about this on Twitch last night. Half the songs, you can't understand the lyrics or the words, but boy, there's something about that beat or that emotion that's being driven through that song that gets people out of their funk, that gets them out of whatever it is that they're currently feeling. Uh, when big in music, uh, is .com is the link. I'm going to put the show notes where you can go grab a free copy of the book. 
Uh, we didn't spend a lot of time on Clinton's background, but all you got to do is Google search him. You know, it's like we were talking last night about people that, you know, try to always put us down or say negative stuff when we are providing such great value online. And all they have to do is go Google search us and know that they just made the most ridiculous comment in the world uh, about what it is that we're doing. But I just felt when you showed up in my feed, I think everybody comes into our world uh, at the right time. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that. You know, uh, we have probably similar people that we cross paths. You know, my mentor, uh, I had my mentor growing up in radio. Uh, it was Hollywood Hamilton. You know, Hollywood Hamilton gave me an opportunity that absolutely changed my life. When he, when I was a, uh, at Kiss FM, uh, I got my first job answering telephones. You know, it's like right after I got sober, uh, first thing I did was get my GED. And the second thing I did was I heard this ad on the radio and it was like, uh, do your friends say you have a voice for radio? Come to the Columbia School of Broadcasting, blah, blah, blah. So I went there and all these guys were talking and I, I said something. I'm like, I raised my hand. They said, yes. I said, if all of you guys are so good, why aren't any of you on the radio right now? You know, it's like, and it turned out that this thing was kind of like a scam, but they talked about internships. So I went and I called Power 106 and Kiss FM and Pirate Radio, ended up getting my own show. Uh, my, I get hired at Kiss FM to answer phones. I was an intern, but boy, did I treat that job like yeah, all the people thought they were talking to a jock because I treated it the way. And all it did was keep opening doors. You know, all it did was every opportunity that I got, I just did my best, but I learned a very valuable lesson. When the Gulf War started, they didn't have a time to get the news guy in. So they're like, Rick, go copy everything off the TV and come back in and you're going to be the news guy. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, my, my, my time has come. I'm going to be on Kiss FM in Los Angeles, number two radio station in the world behind Z100 at the time. I go in and I tried, I tried to be the news guy and I tried to deliver it the way that the news guy did. And I absolutely sucked. And Hollywood came to me and he's like, Rick, be yourself. We already have those other people. Be yourself. And you talk a lot about that in the book. And that was such a very valuable lesson that I learned. But he brought me on. He had a live radio show from Disneyland called Hanging with Hollywood. And I got a chance to be the in-house co-host where I was responsible for keeping 3,000 people happy in between the breaks. When he was going through a contract negotiation and they needed a jock, they went to me who had never been on the air before. And I got a chance to be on 180 radio stations at one time. I got a chance to be on Z100 and B96 in Chicago and Kiss FM in Los Angeles because I put myself in a position. I took the lowest paying job answering phones at this radio station and just provided value. Don't think that you can't provide value at whatever level that you're at right now. You can for someone. And I think that's what you did. I, that's what I got from the book as you kept telling stories about doors that kept opening and things that you kept doing. But you also shared one story and I wanna end with this. You shared the story of when you got invited to be on radio in New York to go up against someone. And even though the money would have changed your life and being in the number one market would have changed your life, you made a very interesting decision that was the right decision that most people would not have made. Talk a little bit about that and then we'll wrap this up. So I, I got offered the opportunity to be on Power 105 in New York uh, to go against Funkmaster Flex in the, the same time slot. Um, 
you know, and then being a kid from Boston who was a hip hop head who understands that New York is the mecca of hip hop. And this is, you know, a while ago when, when New York ran shit with hip hop. Uh, <clears throat> it was, I made it. That's it. You can't get any higher than that. You Market can't number get one. It. That's where every radio guy wants to get. Right. And, and, you know, so at first, my first reaction was like, holy shit, I just got offered to go against Funkmaster Flex on Power 105, which is the new, at the time, Clear Channel station, uh, which is iHeartRadio. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, it just seemed like a dream come true. Um, the more I thought about it, the more I, you know, assessed the good and the bad with it. And I said, can you give me a day to think about it? And they kind of looked at me like, who, why would you need, who needs to think about this? Like, who wouldn't just say yes? Right. And they were like, yeah, let us know tomorrow. So I called them back and I told them that I don't think I'm the right guy for the job. Um, and the reason why was because several things. One, I'm a white guy from Boston coming in to go against a black guy from New York who's regarded as one of the kings of DJing in hip hop and broke almost every artist on New York radio. And he's from New York and New York and Boston rivalry. <laughs> and at that time, you know, anytime I was someone who I was in hip hop, I was either called Eminem or Vanilla Ice. Right. Um, so it was kind of like, even if I could out talent him, even if I could outwit him, it was a losing proposition. Um, cause the, the city of New York would never side with this random white dude from Boston. One, all the artists that mattered at the time from New York are certainly not going to come do interviews with me over flex or do any records or anything with me over flex. But more importantly, those are like that. Those are like the blatant, like obvious reasons why anybody with any kind of brain would, would think about. But the real reason was. I probably wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for Funkmaster Flex opening the door for people like me. So I wouldn't even want to have to attempt to disrespect somebody that I respect so much for what he's done for me and has done for the culture. So two things came out of it. One, I don't want to disrespect someone who's, you know, a god in this world. And then two... I also don't want my legacy to be remembered as the dude that got ran out of New York. So I passed and I had suggested you guys should get DJ Clue. He would be the perfect person to go against Flex. And they went and they got DJ Clue because of my suggestion. And Clue, I think, is still there now. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I, Clue doesn't even know this. You know what I mean? So there's so many people I put in position that they don't even know like right. the, the, the way I played behind the scenes. Um, but then the, you know, the, um, the beautiful, uh, conclusion that came out of this was within that same year, I got called to come be a host on E! News in Hollywood. Um, oh wait, well, by the way, me not doing that made me and Flex maintain a good relationship sure. who he would support my music. And he didn't even know, and he never even knew that that was a potential opportunity that I, right. and, and then when I got onto E!, to hip hop at that time, yo, Clinton made it. Like, yo, he's Hollywood. He's on he's on E News. Cause coming from the hood, coming from hip hop, like sure. that doesn't happen to us. You know what I mean? So like the most the most thing we would get is MTV. You know right. what I mean? They're like, yo, we're on MTV. We're like, you're on E, you're on Hollywood, you're at Ryan Seacrest, you're at Paris Hilton, you're with that. So like now everybody in hip hop, especially Flex, 
and the people that would have maybe hated on me or would have had to go against me now are respecting and supporting and like, yo, you're like the hip hop Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? So like every, <laughs> everybody like had my back and thought that was awesome for us. Right. As a culture and community, especially the DJ community. You opened up a door, man. That now was they shot. looked at it like, this is dope. One of us like moved up to over there. So, you know, one of the things that's really important, man, is, is every decision that you got to, just because you could doesn't mean you should. Right. And if you have the opportunity to do something, you really need to think hard and long about who's associated with it. What are the long-term effects? What are the pros? What are the cons? Because even the people you associate with, you got to consider because they might be the reason why you're not getting opportunities. Right. Um, which is why I've been a rogue dude most of my life. Cause I don't want to be responsible for other people's fuck ups. Cause everybody fucks up. Right. You know what I mean? Like I've built myself to be somebody that doesn't fuck up. So I'm built by design. Like I don't just run through life and my emotions just dump over here and I say something over here and I no, I calculatively move throughout my life and make strategic steps that make the most sense for me to have the biggest impact for myself and others. Therefore right. I minimize the, the, the moments that I, I would ever do bad business or hurt someone's feelings or do something ridiculous that would affect me negatively. Uh, I can name on one finger the time that I even know that I might have did something wrong that affected my career. It happened once. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and by the way, and I'll tell you what it was. Uh, uh, Vincent Herbert, who was, who was Lady Gaga's manager at the time, and he was super powerful and partners with Troy Carter, I was signed to Interscope Records. And I treat everything like, like almost like I come in like, okay, let's get to work. Right. Like I'm not, I'm not timid. I'm not like, is it okay to do this? I'm like, all right, I'm on the team. Okay, let's win. Right. And I've always been like that. Even when I worked at UPS and people hated it because I was so good at my job. People that had worked there for 10, 15, 20 years thought I was a kiss ass because I'm coming in and loading six trucks on my own island while they're doing three. Right. You know what I mean? So they're like, ah, oh, fuck this dude. Right. So that's how I am. So I'm in Interscope and I run through offices like I work there, like I'm Jimmy Iovine, right? <laughs> like, so like I'm walking in like, hey guys, you know it'd be dope as if we did this, da, 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 da. Or like, hey man, I heard you guys are working with this artist. You guys should probably consider working with this guy too because he could make da, da, da. And be like, oh shit. Then people get mad when you light a fighter on their, fire under their ass. When they're like getting a check for just doing what they're doing, I right. don't want to have to fucking do more work. So when somebody like me comes in, it's like, why are we doing these 10 things? It's almost like, shut the fuck up, Clinton. We're comfortable doing the one thing, right? right? And so the one time I walked into this guy, Manny's office, because when I signed with Interscope, I was trying to make an album that was like pop rock and I brought all my rap friends over. So when I played the album, it sounded like Weezer meets like My Chemical Romance meets hip hop meets all in one. They, they played my songs and like the radio department was like, yo, we need an urban single. And I was like, wait, you guys are trying to shot me as an urban artist? And they were like, whoa, that was what we were told. I'm like, no. I was like, no, Khaled's got that lane. And DJ Drama, who has way more street credibility, can't even keep up with Khaled. I go, it'd be, that's killing me. I go, the, the point is to make me the Khaled in the pop world and bring hip hop over there. And like, obviously that's normal now, but at the time when I was sure. signed in, 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 in 2011, it wasn't. And, uh, and they were like, oh, so I was like, hold on. And I ran into Manny's office. I was like, dude, you guys are trying to shot me as a, and I didn't know Vincent Her Herbert, is it Har Harbert or Herbert? I'm was, not familiar. Was right behind me and I didn't see him in the office. So he, being a big shot, seeing this guy, Clinton, come in here acting like he's running shit, 
And he was like, who the fuck is that guy? When I left the office, like, you know, I, I fucking managed Lady Gaga and I don't even come in here like that. This dude's coming in here telling us what we should be doing. So that was his first impression of me. And it affected me so much that when it came time to, to do the splits in the publishing for the Lady Gaga album, he found out that I produced songs on that album. It was like, wait, Clinton Sparks produced on this album? And like, if the records weren't so dope and it wasn't so close to like having to deliver, I might've got thrown off that just because he didn't like me. Wow. You know what I mean? Based off that one impression. But as the story goes, he was like, yeah, just give that dude his check, give him his splits and like, keep it moving. You know what I mean? And I've never even spoke to the guy my entire life. So to this day, he could still have the impression that Clinton's an asshole. Right. right? And like, but nobody else will say that because I'm not an asshole. You know I, mean? <laughs> I, go, I go out of my way to not be, I will lose money before right. I would dent my reputation. Like, it's not that important to me. I'd rather make everybody else happy and I'll leave unhappy. Like, that's how much I care about making sure that I preserve a good reputation. So like, that's one of the only times in my entire life I know that I rub somebody the wrong way. That's be funny. Because of my Boston, you know, kind sure. of crass, aggressive way of doing things. And if you don't know me, it could come off. As well, and I think the lesson there, too, is that no one's going to care as much about you and your career as you, you know, and, and that's all you were doing. You know, you were. I you guess were the other lesson there, good. too, is good. is most people would be like, oh, that's what you guys are doing. They keep their tails between their legs. They either go make the record that they're supposed Say to anything. make. Yeah, and I was like, no, dude, guys, no, this isn't what's going to work. Right. And like, and so I begged for Interscope to drop me for like months. Can you guys just drop me? Can you just let me go? And they were almost laughing because it was like funny. Who has to get dropped from a major right. label, right? And I was like, didn't you guys just let like 42 artists go? Can you just make me the 43rd? Add me right? in that pile over there. And they were like, well, no, we haven't given you a fair enough shot yet. And I was like, no. you know. And then, so then I wrote a letter that's like, when you're trying to get someone to break up with you. Right. right? And, and like, I wrote him a letter and like, it's not you, it's me. Yeah. And then like, so I finally got the call one day and it was like, Clint, we got bad news. And I was like, what's up? And they were like, and it was a guy named DJ and he was Jimmy Iovine's nephew. And he goes, we're going to have to let you go. And I literally went, yes. And then, <laughs> and then, and then he laughed. Uh, and then he goes, I knew you were going to be excited, but you know, whatever. I just want to, and then this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me being signed to a major. People always have nightmare stories about major labels. All of my stories have been great. And you know, it just depends who you are, what you need, what you know when you're going into it, what you're trying to get out of it. And that's up to you to know that. You right. can't go in blind and be upset when, you know, you're hanging out with the cookie monster and they eat your cookies. Like, right. That's what they do, man. They're a that's cookie right. monster, right? It's so the like, right, the, a major label deal is the right thing for the right artist. Most people aren't the right artist for it because they don't have the ability to handle it. But Right, it so be. he says to me, DJ goes, and I had delivered like 14 records. And you know, when you're signed to a label, anything you record, they Thank own it. Yep. Right. He said, I only heard favorite DJ. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, the only record you got, you ever played me was favorite DJ. And I knew what he was saying. And I was like, and by the way, I got a, a production deal, an artist deal, and it's something else deal. I got an advance on all of them. It was like probably a publishing years. deal. They probably wanted to own your publishing. I already, deal. I already had a publishing okay. deal with, with, with Big John. But like, they gave me like they offered me like four different deals. One was a consultant deal, an A and R deal, a marketing deal. Because like when I went and pitched myself, they were like, "You can't leave this fucking building until we do some kind of deal. Like we need you for everybody in this building." Um, so they, I got to keep all my advances from each one of those deals. Wait. I got to keep all of my masters. And, you know, I, I was there, signed there for a year. They got my record favorite DJ on DJ Hero, which was a big game at the time. They got us synced in a couple things. And 
you know, it was an awesome experience I had. And then I moved on and I ended up signing with Island Def Jam and moved over to Republic. And all of my stuff is, I've had great relationships, but maybe because I was, in the, I was a DJ first, so I knew a lot of people in the buildings. Sure. But like, you know, neither one of my projects ended up the way I wanted it to end up. But that's because I wasn't focused on becoming a superstar and going 10 times platinum. I was, I was focused on growing, building a network, relationships, and learning. So, like, I didn't leave there like, what the fuck, man, my records didn't even go platinum, da-da-da. I learned awesome lessons right. and built great relationships, and I made some money out of the deal. So, like, and now it's time to move on with those lessons that I've learned, the money that I've made, and start building off of what I've learned. And I think that's the biggest mistake most people have is they have in their mind the way things are supposed to be. Right. And when they don't work out that way, they're deflated or or they feel like they failed, or they get, or they try to start blaming other people for them not becoming successful. When like, that wasn't the end all, be all, man. That was a chapter in the book. The book is not done being written, and you're right. the fucking author. So keep writing. I love that, and I think that's a great way to uh, end on this. So all of you will get a link. Uh, I'm also got the video version of this uh, that you're going to be able to see, but. Uh, it's how to win big in the music business, Clinton Sparks, and go it's follow free. him on It's free, Instagram. guys. So anybody that's like, ah, oh, this is a scam, ah, oh, this is like, dude, it's free. Look how thin this book is. Yeah. This book has so much practical uh, and valuable information for you to start acting right away. It's the modern day guide for you to know how to navigate through the music business. But the principles and values you learn in this book are transferable to any industry, including your own personal relationships. And trust yep. me, for you to win in the music business, it's about relationships, it's about psychology, it's about understanding the business, it's about understanding feelings. It's not just about being a dope artist and making the dopest music in the world, or my band's the best, or I'm the greatest singer, I'm better than Beyonce. No one gives a shit. All right. That's secondary to your business and your understanding and how you conduct your business and how you move and treat other people. And you need to understand that. And it's not as simple as saying, all right, I'm just going to be a good person because you don't even know when you're an asshole. You know what I mean? <laughs> or you don't even know the wrong steps that you're making. Most people that do whack shit don't realize they're doing whack shit. How many people do you know say, yeah, I'm kind of whack? Nobody, <laughs> you know what I mean? It needs to be pointed out and drilled into you and then something has to happen. Most of the time, something bad has to happen right. for you to realize, oh shit, maybe I am doing this the wrong way. I'm trying to prevent you from having to go through that. I'm trying to prevent you from burning bridges and ruining your career. You read this book, I guarantee it's gonna change your approach and it's gonna change your future and change your life. I'm not guaranteeing you're gonna make a million dollars tomorrow and anybody online that's telling you that is full of shit. Don't buy Run. their shit. Run. It's a lie. It's a yep. cheating, it's a lie. That doesn't work that way. It didn't work for me and it didn't work for anybody else that you look at as a legend or somebody else that you see that's doing it big. They didn't do it in a month. They didn't do it in six months and they didn't even do it in one year. And if they did have success in one year, that, that business would be over two months later if they didn't understand how to scale it and sustain it. And that's what I'm gonna teach you so you have long-term long-term success anybody can luck up and go viral but if you don't have your business right and you don't understand how to move your business you're just somebody like one how many videos have you seen that went viral one week and you don't even know where the fuck that person is ever again? well and that's what i don't tell be people. that person yeah i'm trying to help you build a career that career may be 50 grand a year it may be 50 million you know it's like everyone's situation is different no two artists career paths have ever been the same and what we're trying to do is guide you in the right direction. There's a lot of stuff that you're gonna have to figure out yourself. There's a lot of lessons that you're gonna have to learn yourself. 
But the key is there's a lot of mistakes that you don't have to make if you just follow the roadmap. My mentor, Brendan Burchard, says the best time to have the roadmap is before you enter the forest, not after you're in the forest. And too many people are trying to figure it out when bombs are dropping. They should have had that right. information beforehand. And the other thing he says is when opportunity knocks, it's usually hard work that answers. So be prepared to also put in that work. Clinton, man, I appreciate it. I'm excited that we're in each other's worlds uh, right now. I oh, really nice. enjoyed uh, being on Twitch last night. I got a lot of great feedback. People reached out. I've got some meetings set up of people that saw me right. on that show that we're going to talk about other things. But nice. uh, anything we can do to support you, all of you need to go out and get that book. And I'm going to suggest you go the route I did, where you also pick up uh, the ebook and you also pick up the audio version so that you can have Clinton in your ear. And I'm waiting uh, by the mail every day for mine to get here so I can highlight it up. It's pretty funny. I'm going to, I'm going to share something with you that you'll start laughing at when you Wait, before see you, it. Before you do that, before you do yeah. that, I don't, I don't think that, you know, there might be a bunch of people on here thinking like, um, who is this guy? What's his credentials? Obviously you can see a bunch of plaques. These are yeah. all records that I produce. Well, the people, people just listen to the podcast can't. So yeah. Right. And, and, and you know, oh yeah, people are just listen. So uh, I mean, you can tell them all the plaques that are behind me. So yeah. I'll just give you a quick rundown that we probably should have did at the beginning because. Well, you know, I did I, ask the question, but we went into a different topic, which right, I right. think you and I are going to have that relationship in life where we run down all kinds of rabbit holes. Right. And uh, you just made me freaking forget where I was going. You're going to uh, give me your credentials. Um, Who is Clinton Sparks and why well, should yeah, you so, listen to him? Because I always, because I always say, you know, you got to listen to the messenger, not the message, because anybody can can feed you like bullshit, right? right. So I'm a Grammy nominated, multi platinum producer, DJ songwriter. I've sold over 75 million records. I work with everybody from Rick Ross to Big Sean to Two Chains to Ti to, to T Pain to Snoop Dogg to Lady Gaga, Beyonce, Eminem, Kanye, Khaled. I had discovered and signed DJ Snake. Uh, introduced him to Little John. He may turn down for what? He's been signing me for 13 years. I helped Eminem launch Shade 45. I was P. Diddy's tour DJ. Um, I was vice president of Dash Radio. Uh, I helped, I, you know, convince Akon and David Getter to work together to make Sexy Chick, which changed the whole landscape of, like, music <laughs> to be EDM. Uh, I was the first DJ in, in Vegas to have billboards and on the back of taxis. Um, and then more recently, you know, cause a lot of people will say, you know, I did something 10, 15, 20 years ago. So listen to me. Right. right. And it's like, I've been doing shit fucking dope for 20 years and doing even doper shit today. Right. So like one of the things that I've done recently has been one of the leaders in intersecting gaming in the music industry together, which the gaming industry is a $180 billion industry. I helped build phase clan, which is the number one organization. I took them from zero to $300 million valuated company. I brought an offset sway Lee Pitbull, DJ Paul, Yo Gotti, Ray J, all these people into that space. I've recently left phase last July and I've launched Xset right here. If you're watching Xset is, which is now the world's fastest growing, most diverse esports and gaming lifestyle brand. I also own, uh, the, the the nation's biggest hip-hop station and only hip-hop station where unsigned and independent artists can upload their music to get into rotation consideration right next to the biggest artists in the world. You can go to GetFamiliarRadio.com, GetFamiliarRadio.com when you're ready to get your music heard by the entire country. I also host the biggest music and business show on Twitch. It's called Win Big with Clinton Sparks. Twitch.tv forward slash Clinton Sparks. Twitch.tv forward slash Clinton Sparks. Every Monday night, we have the biggest rappers, actors, athletes, entrepreneurs on there teaching you their wins, losses, and lessons to winning big. 
that you could do as well. So that's in a nutshell who Clinton Sparks is. And if you need more, then get familiar and go to my socials at Clinton Sparks or get familiar and go to ClintonSparks.com. Thank you, Rick. I appreciate being here. Dude, that was awesome. And what I was going to show everyone who's watching this will make them watch the video is you can see I've got the book here, but there's all this highlight in yellow, you know, that I've just gone and just highlighted and highlighted and highlighted and highlighted. And that's why I said, I can't wait to get a hold of the physical copy because I'm going to doctor that th thing up. But man, I appreciate you a bunch. And uh, those of you go to the show notes, I'll make sure that you get your TuneCore discount. I'll make sure you get a link to the book. I'll make sure you get a link to everything that Clinton mentioned. And uh, this is going to be the first of uh, many things that I think we do together. So brother, I appreciate you being here and we will chat sooner rather than later. Likewise. All right, guys, be safe. Thanks for watching or listening.